UNESCO's second global forum on the ethics of artificial intelligence takes place this week on the 5th and 6th of February in Slovenia. The forum gathers together policymakers, industry leaders and researchers from hundreds of countries around the world. Its theme this year is changing the landscape of AI governance. Gabriela Ramos is the Assistant Director General for Social and Human Sciences at UNESCO and as UNESCO's most senior expert on AI, she has a very busy schedule at the forum. I'm very pleased to say that she joins us now on RN. Assistant Director General, thank you and welcome. Thanks for inviting me and great to be with the Australian audience. Now, I realise you are devoting two days to discussing the changing landscape of AI governance, so it might be a little unfair to ask you to summarise it in 30 seconds, but I wonder if you could do what you're going to do at the beginning of the forum, which is setting the scene. Could you give us your sense of what the current landscape of AI governance is? UNESCO got this uh, global standard in 2021 agreed, mm. uh, the, the recommendation on the ethics of artificial intelligence. And any time back in the 2021, when we talk about ethics, everybody look at us like saying, why are you talking ethics? <laughs> we need to, to, to advance, we need to invest, we need to have more technology. Well, why do we need ethics? It took us to have the generative AI and all of the concerns that the leaders have expressed and the action that this has triggered uh, for ethics to go back into the center stage. Mm. What do we mean by ethics? It's, it's just a realization that we have been too focused on the technology, whether it's going to deliver, what is, is, is discriminating, whether there are existential threats, when the reality is that we need to ask ourselves if the technologies are going to help us to build more inclusive, more sustainable, less discriminatory outcomes, more fairness, and the fact that we have more than 50 countries from the G7 to the G20 to Africa to Asia, all levels of development, we're going to present to them the work that we have been doing to implement the recommendation. We have done 50 diagnostic tools with many countries to look where they are in terms of the capacities to steer this revolution. And we're going to be also working with the private sector, with the academia, pushing really to look at what are the solutions to steer this ethically and not only what are the problems, which is what we have been focusing on for so long, you know? Yes, there are some really fascinating sessions at the forum. One of them is the launch of the Global AI Ethics Observatory. What is the Global AI Ethics Observatory going to be? It's going to be a platform that we are launching with the Alan Turing Institute, no less, <laughs> <laughs> and also with the ITU, the International Telecommunications Institution, also of the UN system. We are going to have a repository of all the good practices. When people say, how do we ensure that they are liability regimes? Okay, let's look at the observatory, if there is something there. How do we ensure that we are well equipped to understand the technologies and steer them? And as I said, the recommendation is this is the only international standard that has a tool for implementing it, which is the readiness assessment methodology. And in the observatory, people will go in and take a look at the RAM that we're doing for Turkey or for Chile, the work that we're doing with the European Union to look at the institutions that are necessary to implement the AI acts in Europe. So it's very, very hands-on, but also trying to tell people that you can govern the technologies better and there are ways to do it. Are there particular examples you'd point to when you make that point that it can be done and it can be done properly and well? Yes, and, it, and it's not rocket science. I mean, of course, I don't want to diminish the complexity. In the policy field, you always have competing objectives. 
if you want to maximize your uptake of technologies, maybe you need to squash a little bit the, the more regulatory stances and vice versa. But for the time being, I think that we have been neglecting the part of the regulatory legislative policy work. And let me tell you, when President Biden comes in and says, you know what, we need ex ante assessments of any AI product that might have significant impact before it is released in the market. That is one of the provisions that the recommendation had since the beginning. You cannot release something in the market without at least having some idea of what are the negative consequences. And this had not happened. ChatGPT was released. And then we start seeing that, oh, my God, but there are some hallucinations. Oh, my God, but uh, we don't know if information that it has is really reliable. And, and therefore, we need this ex-ante assessment. The other point is that 80%, for example, of the major developments are done by male-only teams. Mm. And male-only teams from the North, Anglo-Saxon, sorry, Australia, but yes, Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> but the fact is that then you have probably all these biases that comes with it. Women are not well represented, Black communities, minorities, and therefore we need to have the red teamings. That's another tool. Red teamings means that the people that develop the technologies is not the one that assess their impact. Mm. It's super important because you're not, you are almost with conflict of interest because you don't want your wonderful developments to be questioned, or maybe you don't even see it because you developed it. So then get some red teaming. We always talk, for example, about human determination, no? because of the black box and because of the algorithms and because of the generative AI, many people are saying, but we cannot control them. How could you, if, if something goes wrong, there is not really somebody that you can say you need to redress the situation. But at the end, for example, the recommendation is trying to implement a very important provision, which is do not grant legal personality to AI developments, meaning it mm. always needs to be referred to humans. And all of these things, I feel, are building up little by little the kind of framework that you need to have the wonderful impact of these technologies taking precedent from those downsides that we all have heard. And Gabriella, I see another one of your sessions is the ministerial session. And looking at the people in that room, it is a very diverse bunch. Ministers from places like Nigeria, Turkey, China, Italy, the US, Canada, the UK and India. It did make me wonder whether the governance of AI is something that a group of ministers as diverse as that might even possibly agree on, because they probably have very different perspectives on what AI should be used for. Well, Julian, you're, you're completely right. We have countries from Africa, we have countries from Latin America, and we, we have the leading countries that are developing the technologies like China and the US. Mm. And all of these countries have competing objectives. All of them want to be the leaders of AI. All of them want to outbeat the next uh, competitor. All of them want to deploy it for the benefit of their people. But more and more, they are trying to understand the governance better. I don't think we spoke about governance of AI. And I'm not talking about global governance, which is one aspect that is important. I'm talking about governance at the national level. And what is amazing is that I'm finding that is more and more convergence in terms of balancing the innovative and very powerful market-led developments of these technologies with some frameworks, some governance frameworks. For example, as I said, the U.S. president launched the, the executive order four months after ChatGPT was released, putting some regulatory instances to ensure that whenever there is harm, there is redressal. Right now, 
the European Union is taking the last steps to release the AI Act, which are the same. Whenever there are developments that are high risk, there should be some steps to ensure that we are comfortable with the possible non-intended consequences. China has released their Decalogue, 10 points. So there is great convergence. The only question here, and I think this is one of the very important contributions that the forum will do, is that we need what experts call interoperability, meaning that the measures that are taken in one jurisdiction needs to be somewhat aligned with some other jurisdictions, because if not, you will create segmentation of technologies that are global. And therefore, this is another part of the of the contribution that the forum will make, because you will be hearing the approaches that all of these countries are taking, but that then need to be converging at the international level. Could you tell us, Gabriella, about the Business Council for Ethics of AI? I think this is a very, very important piece of the implementation of the recommendation on the ethics of AI of UNESCO, because 90% of all developments are done by the private sector. And if I may say, 60% is done by the US and 20% by China. So it's really highly concentrated in the hands of the few. This concentration at the top leads to some of the problems uh, in the downstream uh, on discrimination or lack of representativeness, lack of inclusiveness. But we cannot deny that we need to work with the private sector. And therefore, since the beginning of the implementation of the recommendation, we started working with Microsoft, with Telefonica, to see how, how could we engage first, because they also have the largest data sets, the largest sets of research. Therefore, we need to work with them to advance better understanding of the technologies. But also we need to have the companies committing to develop the technologies ethically. And what do we mean by that? Again, that they are not driven also by commercial purposes. That is not only about profit making, that is not only about competing with the rivals, but that we ensure that they are delivering for good. And, and I'm glad because I think that we cannot be just imposing. No, Of course, the governments have the duty of care and they need to be protecting the privacy and the integrity of their citizens. We really need to have the companies in a, in a real conversation, as we also need to have the civil society, the foundations. Patrick McGovern, who is a force for good in the philanthropy world, is going to be there. So... I think this needs also a global conversation because all of us are doing something related to AI. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a really engaging forum. Uh, Gabriella, what are your hopes for the outcomes of the second global forum on the ethics of AI? First, to have a very strong message that we can shape the direction of the technological transformation. We are not defenseless. We are not in the hands of a black box of an algorithm. No, we can do it and we have the means to do it. I hope that we will be able to learn more on how to do it, not to talk what to do, but how to do it, because the devil is in the detail. We are even thinking about what kind of institution. Do we need an FDA? Do we need a regulatory stance? Do we need a new ministry? Because also the responsibilities at the government level are all very dispersed. So I hope we will be learning a lot, but I also hope that we will have more and more people joining this drive that we have, we got 50 countries, but I hope that we will get more and more people to understand that it is our responsibility to ensure that we have the, an ethical framework for the development of these technologies for them to deliver for good. Gabriela Ramos, good luck with changing the landscape of AI governance and thank you for speaking with us on RN. Thank you so much.
Gabriela Ramos is the Assistant Director General for the Social and Human Sciences at UNESCO and UNESCO's most senior expert on artificial intelligence. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.